This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. And now, let's start the show. White Sox! White Sox! Go! 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 go. Dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. Follow me on Twitter at Eckerwall23. With me, as always, is Chris Tannehill. Follow him at Chris Tannehill, and also, if you are so inclined, we have a new YouTube channel. Follow us at Locked On Socks on YouTube, also at Locked On Socks on Instagram and Twitter. Chris, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. And about that YouTube page, Herbie, if uh, if if you guys want a White Sox, a Locked On White Sox prize pack, courtesy of us, for the price of on the house, uh, we're going to be giving one away, at least one to a random YouTube subscriber until we hit 1,000. So 1,000 is the big mark there on YouTube. It's going to take us a while, but we know we have uh, the reach that we'll get there eventually. So once we hit 1,000, I'm going to go in there and find someone, maybe two people, you know, we'll see how many I end up working with, but at least one prize package, a Locked on White Sox podcast prize package I'll be giving away to a random YouTube subscriber. And we're going to try to have more fun with some of the giveaways once I get more uh, merch here. But, yeah, we're going to start doing stuff like that. If you haven't done so already and you're a loyal listener to this podcast, make sure you give us a, a good rating on iTunes. Make sure you comment. And uh, that way that helps us out greatly in terms of charting and things like that. So if you like us, you know, why not tell the world you like us? So, yeah, but the YouTube page, you can see the full Sean Evans interview. Sean Evans from Hot Ones. If you missed that last week, Thursday, Friday, uh, an amazing success. And Sean was just so awesome. And we had so much fun talking to him. But if you want to see the whole interview uh, uncut straight through, the whole hour interview is up there at the Lockdown White Sox YouTube page. So lot, lots of things going on here, but I'm doing just fine, Herbie. I'm feeling very festive tonight. Did you know uh, I went to the Home Alone house tonight? Mm. That's in uh, Winnetka? <laughs> yeah. Um, i never been, but when you have a six-year-old, like that's like sort of a, a thing to do. Um, and uh, it's kind of weird. And as you get in your 30s, I'm 37, and you look at it a little differently as you get older, and you sort of see it as like, oh, these people are just a lot more richer than I am. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a huge house. And, and although it looks it looks bigger than the movie, it looks smaller in real life, but still, that's the, the one takeaway you have when you're older. It's like, oh, yeah, there's people that are a lot richer than I am. Thanks for the reminder this holiday season. But the kid I, <laughs> the kid had, got a kick out of it, so all was, all was right in the world, and it, and it was fun. Maybe I'm jaded, but every time I think about that, and I've never been to that house, but every time I think about that movie, I'm like, well, terrible parents. Firstly, uh, the but the brother Buzz is a dick. Um, the uncle. But if you if the, you had parents, well, uncle, if you had was, parents like that, why wouldn't you be a dick? So exactly. it's not Buzz's fault. And then the uncle that was there, Uncle the, Frank, that guy was the <laughs> oh. biggest dick. And the guy that they're visiting, the uncle they're visiting in France, making 
what, 12 people go from Chicago to France instead of his one ass go from France to Chicago? That's selfish. And then they left that homicidal maniac at their house. Kevin is a maniac. He killed two dudes. <laughs> I know they didn't show it because it's a ch- children's movie. He literally killed two guys. It was at least manslaughter. And after, and after like the Harry gets his like foot with the nail through it, or, or uh, Marv gets his foot with the nail through it, I'm like, I'm good, Harry. This is much harder than it needs to be. It should be an in-and-out job. I'm in pain now. Might have to get a tetanus shot. I got lockjaw. Yeah, I mean, let's go back a little bit to, uh, to Uncle Frank. He's definitely a jerk. Um, I can't fault the kids for being jerks because look at the parents. Um, but the whole concept of a whole entire household of people sleeping in past 8 a.m. to me is just a concept that is unfathomable when I have a child. And I can't remember the last time I slept past 8 a.m. So that's just far-fetched. I know you have to suspend belief uh for a movie but i'm I'm not buying it but yeah but i mean the other the brother he paid for all those people to go out to france so i yeah i'll take a free paris trip that's but he knows unnecessary right like yeah all he had to do was like pay what a 500 dollar first class maybe a thousand i don't know back in the day it was probably 500 dollar first class plane ticket to o'hare they pick him up they have a great time he leaves his punk ass goes back to paris saves money sees his family doesn't try to show out. He had to spend like fifty thousand dollars on all those people to go out there. Yeah, it's way too much. And that was before like the Bill Clinton like economy boom of the early nineties. Like that's late eighties right there. Like that's still George yeah, George Bush Senior. George Bush. Yeah. <laughs> that's trickle down the- economics. You're not trickled down to everybody. The McAllisters live great. While other people don't, Marvin Harry apparently didn't, <laughs> and that's how I felt going to the Home Alone house tonight. But yeah, it was it was a thing. Like I would hate to live on that street because you can't go down. You you can only you know you can't go down the street in a car. Like you can like when you're if you're yeah. driving around looking for it, they have the street blocked off. I just think how much that sucks if you live there if you're one of the neighbors. Um, you know, there, there's certainly, it's, it's a, it's a nice house for the houses that are on the block there. There may, there are some nicer, some not as nice, but it's, it's a pretty solid house there, but I would just hate that every year that people come like me and they take pictures and they, you know, some guy was driving, uh, down the block, cranking the home alone soundtrack, like for, for all, for all of us that were there. I'm like, okay, there's always people that I get it. Thanks guy. (laughs) Yes. That's why we're here. Uh, you didn't need to enhance the experience. We get it. And then if you go down on the street they have the church where kevin hides as a you know when he's trying to get away from the uh from the police i think it was after you know uh, after he shoplifts uh, lock him up um when he, he he's he's hiding from the police and he's hiding in the nativity scene they have that yeah. church that's like right around the block too but that's funny because you know we just we stood there took a picture and you know it was you know whatever it was from the movie you know we're 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 basically hillbillies here, so anything like that is cool. But then you have people that are just so disrespectful, like walking all up in the nativity scene, and they don't have any mm. signs like, "Hey, Jesus. don't don't walk." Yeah, Jesus, baby Jesus. You don't. They don't know signs that say, "Hey, don't touch this." It's a nativity scene because that's not a thing you should have to post. People should no. know. Like, I'm not a religious person, but I know. Like, hey, baby, don't touch the nativity scene. Uh, but people were all up inside of the nativity scene taking pictures. It was weird. Uh, but that's what we did tonight. But then, of course, we. We wound up at Homer's Ice Cream there in Wilmette, which has always been a favorite of mine since I was a kid. But that's what we did tonight, uh, night one of vacation, as I'm off from work the next two weeks. So what do you got lined up this week for uh, for, for Christmas, vacation, or what have you? 
Um, we are moving at the end of the month. So on Saturday, the day after Christmas, we are going to put our final deposit on our house or house apartment. Uh, we already got like an administrative fee taken care of. So we have to put just less than what our rent is. We're moving in earlier than the January 5th, I think is our lease starts uh, time. So we're going to uh, survey the land, pretty much take most of the stuff that we can take via car over there. And then on January 2nd is when the movers come and they take our stuff from here in Ravenswood up to Uptown. We're moving on Uptown, friends. Mm. Yeah, baby. Um, For the crown, And baby? so it's the first time I've ever got a moving service. Oh, I so, would I would have helped. Yeah. You helped me move. Herb helped me move into my to my new home two years ago. Yeah, I would I would have helped. You guys can't have that it's, much shit. Oh, no, we don't. We don't. <laughs> oh, but okay. It was a very, it's a load off our shoulders. The person at the moving company is like, we got everything. Don't help us at all. And we reserved the freight elevator for the new place, which we got a freight elevator. That's awesome, too. Uh, it's it's a good place. Wow. It's an awesome place right by the water. So we're looking forward to it. We got a dishwasher finally. This We're just finally cleaning up the whole place. It looks you know, probably like it should have all the time, but, you know, a little dust up, a little clean. Uh, we got an electric vacuum, so that does its thing It's on its own. Uh, the robot vacuum yeah. does its thing on its own. And so I'm just looking around the place right now. It's like, this is not going to take that long. Like, when we leave next Sunday, um, I think we're permanently moving in there on the 2nd, but when we put most of our stuff there next Sunday, I'm like, we're going to have a really desolate house with just, like, a couch, a dresser, and a bed in the whole place. When you guys eventually own a home, you will begin to look at things in that context like, oh, God, when we eventually have to move out of this place, all this shit's got to come with us. So let's start downsizing now. Like, it's the never-ending battle when you have a family. It's like, why? Like, I'm looking at my basement right now, and yes, there's a lot of cool things uh, that you can't see here, uh, but lots of White Sox stuff, but lots of unnecessary crap that's that's accumulated already in two years. So I, I think I'm going to do that uh, in this little break here and try to get rid of some of this stuff that I don't need. Uh, so th- this is Mailbag Monday, and we'll get to the mailbag in a second, but Herb, James McCann, he's moving as well. He's moving uh, to Queens. I'm sure that's where he's going to be living. Uh, why wouldn't you live in Flushing, Queens if you're a New York Met? James McCann signing a four-year deal, good for $41.6 million. He'll get $8 million in 2021. Uh, Sox certainly could have afforded that. Uh, Adam Eaton's practically making that, and he may be platooning. But it's more so about James McCann finally getting an opportunity to start for a team, and he's in a good spot there in New York, great town, a a franchise that's willing to spend money a little bit. I have no doubt. I I would probably predict maybe George Springer lands there. They're going to throw some money around, so good for James McCann. He did post this on his social media. James McCann says this, Thank you, Chicago. Words won't do justice in describing my feelings towards the city of Chicago, the White Sox organization, and the South Side fan base. My family and I felt at home right away, and there will always be a special place in our hearts for Chicago and the White Sox. From making my first career All-Star game in 2019 to helping the organization return to the playoffs in 2020, the memories will last forever. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. So that was very nice of James McCann. And our dealings with him, a class act. You know, he seemed to be just the type of guy that you thought he was watching him uh, on your television. Just, you know, always good with the media. Uh, just a, a gentleman, you know, a, a yes sir kind of guy. Um, but yeah, it's it sucks that the Sox are a, a worse team today after James McCann leaves. But we all thought this was coming. I predicted the Angels. Wh- who did you predict? Did you have the Mets? 
I don't know if I I think I had the Phillies uh, yes, because okay. JT Real Muto leaving. Yeah. So either way, he's a Met now, and we're going to get to some James McCann questions uh, in in the mailbag. But you know, I, I, we we knew this was coming, and good for James McCann. He's finally going to be able to start. We, we you know I think we're in agreement that he's a starting catcher. There's certainly a lot worse. You could do a lot worse than James McCann. But one thing that he did say. Uh, in his introductory press conference, he sort of talked about the way he views Saber metrics and how he incorporates that into his game plan as a catcher and how he implements that to his pitching staff. And I, I thought this answer was very interesting. The game ha- has become so number-based and so uh, heavy focus on, on analytics and metrics. Um, I think that that's very important. I think that uh, – I mean, there's so many numbers that, that, that can almost paralyze you. you. You have to be able to, to sift through the numbers and figure out what is most important, um, whether it's most important for the team that you're facing or most important for the guy that's on the mound for, for you that day, whatever that may be. Um, but the way that I look at numbers, the way that I look at, at the metrics is, is that's my foundation. Uh, so going into a game, going into a series, I, I know all those numbers. Um, I'm not a huge fan of, of the, the wrist guards that you see a lot of catchers wearing in today's game. Um, I have one, uh, and, and I, I started using one 2020, but I almost never looked at it. And the reason why is because the way that I, that I operate is I want to know all that information in my head. I don't want to have to look at a piece of paper and become a robot of, okay, let's see what, what the, the numbers say. Um, I want the numbers to be my foundation and then I want to trust my eyes in the game. And, um, what I mean by that is the perfect example and uh, I remember I told Sandy and, and the coaching staff this example uh, was I remember a game, I believe it was against the, the Detroit Tigers. It was later in the game. Uh, Lucas Giolito was pitching and he was he was at a, at a getting close to his, his his pitch count for the day. And I knew we had to make quick work uh, of the lineup. Um, I called nine changeups in a row. And I know that there's no metric in, anywhere in the game of baseball that would say that throwing nine changeups in a row is a good idea. He had a 10 pitch inning and he got out of the inning and, and completed the inning. Um, and that was just an example of, of one of the situations where I knew what the numbers were saying, but I also knew what my eyes were telling me. And I was going to trust my eyes until they proved my eyes wrong. And, and, you know, like I said, we had a 10 pitch inning after throwing nine straight changeups. So um, really the easy answer is having that, that foundation, that knowledge of the numbers, but trusting what your eyes are telling you and what, what the other team is telling you. Also what, what your own pitcher is telling you. The game James was talking about there, uh, I believe, is August twentieth. The White Sox win nine to nothing. It was a day game against the Tigers, and we talked about it that day in that episode. That sequence of pitches and how how great it was for James to call those pitches and how unconventional it was. But how 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 am I going to bring this back around when I hear that? When I hear James talking about game planning and using his gut and and being in harmony with with the numbers, but ultimately just using his eyes to tell him what is the best thing to do in that situation. I worry now going forward because I don't think you're going to get that from Zach Collins. And and we're going to talk about about the White Sox backup catcher role either in this mailbag or tomorrow's, but just something to think about there. I I, I worry about that. As the championship window is now open, your team is just not as good when you when you when you lose a guy like that. And I know Grandal's a smart guy, but you know if he gets hurt, what are you going to do? And I, and I worry about depth as it stands right now with the White Sox and having a young guy like Zach Collins or Yermin Mercedes. Like that, they're losing a lot in James McCann. Oh yeah, it's a big time loss. Uh, I think um, multiple things here. 
you get more Yasmani Grandal than probably you want next year without a suitable veteran backup. So, you know, a usual catcher doesn't want to p- catch all like 162 games. That's impossible. You'll get maybe 130, 140 with a couple of those days being DH days or first baseman days just to get him off his feet, just to not be so monotonous and his knees getting taxed through the season. So I see a lot more Yasmani Grandal, which could be bad or good. I mean, the, the guy played himself into a good player. Uh, eventually, that's why he got the big-time deal with the White Sox. Last year, was struggles, and then he also did some work with the bat. The glove wasn't there all the time. So you would like to have a day where you can get some decent representative MLB play from one of those guys. Zach is coming along with the glove. His bat is not there. He can walk with the best of them, but you can't have offers every night he plays. You can't be that 100 hitter in the major leagues. I think you'll probably hit, you know, in his low 20, uh, low 200s, but you're using a guy that's almost hitting 285 and getting on 36% of the time and giving you some power in what um, Jason McCann gave you. So we knew it was going to be a big drop off, but it can't be fall off the map like, Hey, this pitcher is on the mound. It's like, ah, oh, God, I got to pitch to Zach Collins instead of Yasmani Grandal. That's falling off the table. Like, if last year you were pitching, you're like, man, Jason Kansas on the behind the plate, I'm good. Especially Lucas Gili is like, man, I'm even better. I feel better. And some might say that James McCann was the better catcher of the two, but we knew that we already had three more years of Yasmani, so James had to leave. So this is going to be a struggle. We're going to have some regression there. Because I can't believe that catching 135, 150 games, maybe, uh, especially if it's a pennant race, will be good for Yasmani Grandal or being on his feet for that many games. So we got to find a guy that we were talking about in our uh, free agent episode, uh, just a serviceable guy to give you 30 to 40 starts every year and you don't drop off the table. I guess one positive way to spin this is not every team has to have two all-star catchers to win a World Series. It's it's just a it's a luxury that that most teams can't afford, you know. And and I don't think it was more of a money thing as it was of of, of a playing time issue and a chance for a guy who believes he has the ability and we've seen he has the ability to play every day. So you know, but I do worry about that 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 backup spot and like you said, falling off the table there. I, I think they will address it and we'll we'll talk about it more in depth later on. But it's just a it, right now it seems like a void. And from everything I was told, James McCann was a guy when he came into the White Sox organization, he revamped a lot of things about uh, the way they 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 chart hitters and and approach a game plan. Like you know, it just he he took it to a next level, and that's why you saw guys like Giolito take the step under his tutelage. So you know, he kind of brought the socks out of the dark ages in, in many ways, or at least made it so the information was relatable to to, to guys that were that were playing at the time. So we'll see how how this uh, works out for the Sox, but uh, you know, certainly they could still win. But it, you know, uh, it, it just it stings a little bit losing James McCann, and especially what a class act he he is and, and was with the White Sox. But you listen to him talk there, and if you had forty James McCanns on your team, you give yourself a hell of a chance. So I worry about the drop off behind Yasmani, and at least there he's not fil- leaving a vacant hole there at catcher because you still have an all star player catching for you. So it's you know it could be worse, but. Uh, definitely not ideal when you when you think about the options behind Yasmani. Uh, got a couple new. We got a new segment here tonight. We're going to roll out Herbie in just a bit. But first, 
What do you say here? It's been long enough. Shall we open up the bag? Let's do it. Got a lot of emails. We're going to try to get to some. There's another email. I love email. And we love email, too. We love your emails, actually. How can they get a hold of us for the Locked on White Sox mailbag, Herbie? Send your questions, comments to LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Our email is LockedOnSocks at gmail.com with your comments, questions, whatever you want to write us. And this mailbag has whatever you want to write us a plenty. Absolutely. And it's James McCann-centric. We'll get to it here in a second. But we want to welcome a brand new sponsor here to Locked On White Sox. That's BetOnline.ag. There's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust here on Locked On White Sox. That's BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use our promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. That's BetOnline.ag. Download the app. Uh, Apple, Android, I downloaded it earlier today. Uh, had fun looking at some of these NFL lines in there, but they're a new sponsor, and we'll talk about them more in depth on tomorrow's show. But welcome aboard to betonline.ag. I know you're someone who's well-versed in the investing side of, of, of things, so uh, I'm looking forward to hearing some of uh, some of your plays as the week goes on here. But we just wanted to take time out to, to welcome our new friends, betonline.ag. So download the app now. Put it in your phone, sign up, and get 50% welcome bonus when you use our promo code Locked On. All right, first question, James McCann-related, coming from AD from OP. And this is really not a question. It's more of a rant. He goes, hi, guys. First off, love the show. The corporate overlords deemed it to be my top podcast of this past year, and the algorithm tells me I agree. Well, thank you. And thank you, corporate overlords, as always. Uh, I just want to rant about Sox fans and James McCann real quick. I'm a big fan of McCann myself and loved what he brought to the table the past couple years. But the fan reaction to his inevitable free agent departure has just about pushed me over the edge. We will never be able to fully break away from the old hateable loser socks if we keep signing players we know slash like instead of paying the most talented players we can. James McCann, for all his great teammate qualities and rapport with Giolito, amounts to a career 3.7 F4 player. Yasmani Grandal put up a 3.8 F4 in just 60 games in his rookie season. Grandal is only about a year and a half older than McCann and with two more seasons in the league, absolutely dwarfs him with a 34.3 career F war. The Sox makes a, make a bunch of weird, bad decisions, but not giving big money to a redundant piece who is far less talented than when you already have on the roster is not one of them. The best teams in the league spend money on the players with the most talent, period. Love him, respect him, miss him, wish him well, but feel good that this is what we want to see more of from the Sox going forward if they want to create winning ball clubs. More of this and less Adam Eaton's, please. Thanks. All the best, sirs. AD from OP. Thank you, AD. A well-thought-out, articulate email uh, and totally opposite of everything we just talked about for a few minutes there. So, Herb, when you when you hear those comments from our guy, AD, uh, what what runs through your head right now? Is that, is that fair? Is that a fair criticism of the White Sox in, you know, in this particular instance with James McCann? Yeah, I couldn't have uh, said it better myself. He said it perfectly. James McCann, I think all White Sox fans know him, knew him from the Detroit years. And when we got him, we were like, mm, no, no big shakes here. This is, this is going to be a nice backup for what Wellington Castillo <laughs> as our uh, head catcher. 
you know, we knew these guys were just placeholders. And then when James McCann became an all-star in 2019, we're like, oh, man, we might have got something here. And then not a White Sox person, well, maybe a couple, uh, raised a hand and said, why are we getting Yasmani Grandal? We already got James McCann. There was a couple that said that. So those people have a, a beef there, a gripe. But getting Yasmani Grandal on the White Sox was the right thing to do. He is going to be on this team for three or four more years. He's going to be pretty good. And he, you saw he was pretty good with the bat. He'll come around with the glove catching the actual ball and once in a while will be nice. But he's right. This 80, what, 80 from OP is right. We might have overrated what James McCann brings to the table, but James McCann also deserves the starting deal. Both things can be true. Like we – felt like we created this all-star we created this money that he's had even though i feel that it's all credit due to the white Sox and james mccann for working out his game like this to show that he is a different pl- player than he was in detroit and that he can move forward and get the starts that he thinks he deserves and the money that he deserves so i tip the cap to him but also yes i think it's going to be troubles for the white Sox backups but 20 30 games 30, 40 games, I think you can survive with the offense doing what they can do uh, without James McCann in the lineup. And we're going to go over the free agent catchers that are just going to be fine stop gaps where you're not losing too much. You actually might even gain a little bit when they are in. Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. And, you, you know, I still back up everything I said before we read uh, 80's email here. Like you said, both things can be true. Uh, I'm not saying the Sox should have paid over market value for a backup catcher. But, you know, there's just something to be said about James McCann's quality of play the past couple of years where not playing every day and when he does play – gives you an opportunity to, to go deep off of good pitching and give you a quality at bat. You know, he's not swinging for the fences every time. A solid approach both in the box and behind the plate. You know, that's just, that's, that, that's just facts right there. So, you know, I, I think you can still want James McCann, but also acknowledge that, yes, it was, it's time, it was time for him to go, time for him to get an opportunity. But just because you want James McCann on your team doesn't make you a bad fan at all. And, and you know, I don't qualify – wanting James McCann as one of these White Sox moves where they just can't get out of their own way and they bring back guys like Adam Eaton. I, I wouldn't put these two things like in the same box, uh, if you want to put it that way. So And put, put a bookmark in this one right here. I'll get back to a point in the future. All right, absolutely. Um, next one here from our guy Sam in Hinsdale. Uh, Hello. Hi, Sam. Um, first off, I felt that a hearty applause needs to be given to James McCann for his awesome tenure with the team over the past two seasons. I wish all the luck in his new venture as the new starting catcher for the Mets. As for my question, if we decide to stick towards our prospect options to fill the backup catcher spot behind Yasmani Grandal, who would be the best fit? Zach Collins, Yermin Mathedith, Sebi Zavala? They all have their pros and cons in taking the bulk, bulk of the workload for the 162-game season. Anyways, what are your guys' thoughts? Thank you, Sam and Hinsdale. So, yeah, here it is right here uh what i alluded to earlier do we trust any of those guys zach collins you mean mercedes sebi zavala to be yasmani grandal's backup once your world series window is wide open i do not um i don't think any of them are ready for being in the major leagues that whole year um and being a backup for zach collins i think was a waste this year 2020 and will be a waste in 2021 what Zach Collins needs is opportunities, needs at-bats, needs repetitions. 
So wherever he can get those, if he can get those in AAA, smooth. If James, Mc- I mean, if uh, yes, Monty Grandal gets hurt and he needs to get reps up in the major league club, cool. But to be a backup, especially to this catcher, where you're not going to get that many starts during the game and you're not going to have a lot of pitchers clamoring for your services, it's going to be tough for him to just be sitting on the bench and learn again. And I put those in quotes to learn uh, baseball from the bench again. I think if we got to do this route. I would go Yermin Mercedes. He's old. He's like 28, 29 next year. He, you know he's going to bring back when he does get an opportunity to do so. And he's a good opportunity. He's a good guy to pitch it off of the bench, even when he's not catching. So if I had to choose between these three guys, I would go Yermin Mercedes. But, you know, we're biased. Yeah. That's our guy. Obviously. Um, I, I out here challenging Ronald Acuna. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love your Mercedes um, in the novelty 2020 year, and I would love him as a bat off the bench, depending on what they're going to do with rosters, if they're going to expand the rosters. Um, but I was just looking at some of the free agent catching options, guys that yes. probably wouldn't be, you know, if I'm Rick Hahn, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at veteran dependable catchers to back up Yasmani Grandal and guys that if they had to play a long stretch behind the plate, you wouldn't lose anything in terms of how they construct a game plan and their approach. Uh, you know, these guys that we mentioned, Collins, Sebi Zavala, Yermin, have never played a 162-game season, and they haven't caught, uh, you know, a, a true catcher's workload behind the plate. But I look at a couple of guys here that are free agents – a guy that's a Sox killer, and I think you already know who I'm talking about here, uh, mm-hmm. Kurt Suzuki. He he had a, actually a, not a bad year in 2020, uh, 349 OBP, but I, I just always associate him with, with a guy with a professional approach, a guy that you can put in a spot late in the game, and he's going to make some contact for you, and just a smart guy and a guy that can handle the pitching staff if, God forbid, if Yasmani Grandal has to has to go down a bit. Now, he maybe he'll get exposed. He's going to be 37 Actually, he'll be 36 uh, throughout the season. He'll be 37 into the playoffs and into the World Series. But um, he just actually he just turned 37. All right, so yeah, he'll be 37 all year. He'll be 38 uh, next postseason. But it's a guy that I like a lot. Maybe you know not my top choice. There's Wilson Ramos also out there. I don't know if he'd be willing to be a backup. But yeah, there there are solid options out there this year, and you won't have to overpay to get them. But if I'm Rick Hahn, you're in your championship window. I I, I don't want to roll the dice on young guys behind the plate because these games matter so much. And you may be lucky; you may catch a break, and the Twins may be getting considerably worse as the season, as the postseason and and uh, free agent season can you know continues on here. They may be a worse team by the time opening day starts, and we know what Cleveland's doing, so you may have a little wiggle room to develop these guys on the fly, but this is supposed to be getting into the playoffs and advancing to the next round, and I, I don't think that you're going to get those results by rolling the dice on your number one pick, Zach Collins, who we still don't know what he is yet. I, I If I'm Rick Hahn, I'm shopping for a veteran backup, and I'm probably going to try to trade Zach Collins because ultimately I don't know where he fits here. Yeah, um, I mean, all the, the writing was on the wall when you went and got Yasmani Grandal. That told Zach Collins that he's not long for this team. I were, I told you to put the bookmark into that conversation. We did. So now I'm coming back to it and do a White Sox thing that I usually hate. But go back to a guy that you had 
that was very Ron Karkovice. Yes, Ron Karkovice, <laughs> or maybe Spanky Del Valle. Um, but getting Tyler Fowler's back, a guy who, through his career, done well versus lefties, done well versus righties, all right, not great. But you could have him as a veteran catcher. He knows the 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 central and he hadn't been around for a while, but he understands what's going on in Chicago. He can understand his role here on the team as a solid backup, which he's been doing that with the Atlanta Braves the last couple of seasons. So I would love to have T Flo back on the White Sox on the south side and him enjoy some playoff success where he had to go through all that shit with the White Sox when he was a young player. Absolutely. I love the idea of T-Flow. And if you're a backup catcher and you can play solid defense, you can, you know, an, an exceptional framer. That was like when Sox fans first started to learn about framing was when Tyler Flowers was catching for Chris Sale. Um, good framer. And just a guy that can give you some pop too, which is so important, you know, playing these days, like a guy that has a threat, the ability to take you deep. I love that in a catcher. So there are good options out there. Uh, are the White Sox willing to to pay the money? It won't be a lot of money, but are they willing to invest or are they going to do what organizations typically do and say, these? this is our number one draft pick from a few years ago, and we believe in him, and this is why we drafted him number one. I, I don't believe in that. I believe they know what, what he is, or I, I should say they know what he's not at this point. I, I think they probably would have thought he would have progressed you know, pandemic kind of threw a threw a wrench into those plans. You know, he didn't get the at bats that he normally would have gotten. Maybe would have seen more of him. But it's just a guy when I when I look at him and you look at the pieces around him on this team, I just don't see him as a piece that fits. And you'd be you'd be selling way low. Um, but that's just the reality right now. You got you got to make this the best roster top to bottom. And I and I don't know if if, if Zach Collins being your backup catcher is. What gives you the best roster? Uh, I, I like your means bat better. Um, I've heard not many good things about the glove, but you know we don't know. Zach Collins is not an elite glove back there either. So you know this. I don't know what they do with those guys, but if I'm Rick Hahn, I'm I'm dialing up some veteran catching help, guys that have played in the postseason who know what they're doing back there and can be guys that are teaching the pitchers. You know, as the season goes on, you know, you got you, you know, you can have some leadership back there and teach some of these young guys a thing or two. And I don't think they're going to learn a lot from these uh, prospects who have yet to prove it on the major league level. All right, going to take a quick time out here, and we're going to get to a new segment on the other side of this break here. But first, a word from Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. And somehow, some way, Built Bar's got funky fly flavors like every single day, including the brand new and improved flavors caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. And of course, they've got the 12 OG flavors that you know and love so well. My personal favorite, German chocolate. I know you dig the peanut butter. They got mint brownie. Toffee, almond, coconut, peanut butter brownie. They're delicious because they are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They're not tough and grainy like some of those other protein bars that you may have had on the market. Built Bars are healthy. They're good for you. They're great if you're a health-conscious person on the go, good for trying to lose weight or maybe even maintain weight while still indulging in a delicious treat because they're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. And if you're doing the keto thing, forget about it. They're packed with protein, so they're great for keto. And right now, you can get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. 
Act now, though. you got to go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, it's the best-tasting protein bar ever. All right, Herbie, you may remember a, a few episodes ago, maybe it was last Monday on the mailbag, we got an email from a, a gentleman and he suggested a, a brand new segment uh, for the program. I think Roger uh, was the one who suggested it, but he said we should do a segment called Socks in the City, where we talk about meeting Sox players, maybe back in the day, maybe currently, just odd altercations where you get an autograph, maybe you say what's up to a guy, like in, in a in a weird, like you, you run into, uh, you know, Yomer Sanchez at a Home Depot or something like that. Just some of the odd run-ins with White Sox players. And we should roll it out here. Are you ready to roll out Sox in the City? Let's do it. All right. Can you do Yeah. Can you sound my baseball? Sure. There. Wow. Avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. Wow. That's good advice. It's Sox in the City time, folks. <laughs> and this one <laughs> comes in from Scott. Scott's out in New Jersey now. Says, love the show. All-Star break 77 or 78. I'm living in Darien slash Westmont area, and my buddy runs up and says, George Orta is mowing his yard. <laughs> That's the essence right there. If we talk about socks in the city in part one here, George Orta mowing, mowing his lawn. He lived a block behind a Lace Grade School, so my friend and I ran around and tried to find something to get signed. 11-year-old me finds a crumpled paper bag. We run to George's house where he's in the backyard in dress slacks and a Dago tee mowing the yard. Uh, I, I, what's Yeah, like Dago tee is probably the nicest way you could say that garment. So the other one's no better. Uh, let's just say tank top. Uh, we, we rush up toward him and shout over the mower we would like his autograph. He turns off the mower and with a heavy accent tell, told us to hold on. He woes into the house and comes back out and he's got two American League baseballs. He smiles and he signs them for us. I'll never forget how awesome he was. The two kids bugging him on a rare off day. What a class act. That's Scott living in New Jersey, but a South Sider at heart. Uh, thank you, Scott, for checking in. Uh, you got to, you know, say what's up to the folks at, uh, at uh, was it Once Upon a Bagel? What's the, what's the bagel place? No, that's the place out here. What was that bagel place we went to uh, when we were out in Jersey, Herb? Sorry for putting you on the spot. I'm trying to I remember. don't recall what it was, yeah. but you can have that Taylor Ham and cheese. Oh, delicious. Taylor Ham. Tell the folks about Taylor Ham. Just delicious. I mean, it's like sweeter than, I mean, not sweeter, like it's, it's like salty and sweet. And we had it on a sandwich. I think I had it on a bagel. So I think you add, you say Taylor ham cheese. And then if you want to put some bacon on there, go ahead. But man, it was, it's a hit the spot breakfast spot. Uh, I don't know if it was like a, uh, like a franchise, like a small franchise, but it was great. One, was uh, one wonder it. bagel. It was like that guy. What was it called? Wonder bagels. That was yeah, it, that right? right. Yeah. It sounds like that. Yeah. It sounds like that when that little guy was in the uh, store, challenging all the dudes to fight that's why i think about all the time when that guy's i was like it looks similar to that type of place yeah like they're they're a dime a dozen out there on the east coast so they're, they're so they're lucky in that regard we only have a few places out here uh but yeah that that's the first edition of socks in the city running into george orta as he's mowing his lawn in, in slacks <laughs> so we we thank you for checking in uh for socks in the city we'll, we'll pepper those in once in a while on the mailbag we'll get to a couple more of them tomorrow uh but uh, that about does it here 
for this edition of Locked On Socks, Herbie. And later on this week, we got a short week because of the holiday season. Uh, we'll have another mailbag tomorrow. Talk to us Tuesday. And uh, Wednesday, maybe we'll we'll sort of have a, a discussion about free agency, where it stands on Wednesday, and we'll see how the landscape has changed when we sort of uh, come back to the show after our little mini Christmas break. So we'll do that on Wednesday as well. But, yeah, that's uh, that's that's where we are here on uh, this Mailbag Monday of Locked on White Sox. Another one is in the books as we inch closer to the end of 2020. So that's Chris Tannehill. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Tannehill. Me, Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall23 is the way you can follow me. You can follow the show now. We're on YouTube. We've got pretty faces. You can watch the whole Sean Evans episode from Hot Ones. It was great, about an hour long. You can watch that. Just search for Locked On Socks, and we'll be there. And we got some other stuff that we did previously to this uh, episode we did with Sean Evans, but maybe this episode will be on there. You can see my smiling face. We're not ready for it. Well, I'm not ready for the camera yet, but when we are 100%, you'll see it. Chris read out the incentives we're giving off to one random, at least one random person when we hit a thousand subscribers. So if you haven't done it already, go right now, hit subscribe on our YouTube channel, please, and share it with your friends. Absolutely, so, for- and, to, and tell a friend too. Like to and not iTunes. Don't forget about iTunes. Subscribe there. Like if you're one of these people that just listens to us on the internet, like pull out one of your devices and subscribe and rate, so you know we can you know be in good standing in the iTunes store. You know, so we you know keep us the number one White Sox podcast. But uh, speaking of podcasts, you know sports betting doesn't have to be a guessing game. But if you listen to the brand new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, you'll get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. So that is Chris Tannehill and I am Herb Lawrence. Thank you for listening to another episode of Mailbag Monday on Locked On Socks.